0: Why is war important in 17th century Ireland?
1: Three large wars. The Nine Years' War that ends in 1603. Then there's the Confederate and Cromwellian Wars from, from the 1640s and the first half of the 1650s, virtually. And the Jacobite or Williamite Wars, uh, 1689 to 91, much shorter, maybe sharper. Those are all big conflicts, which certainly the middle one, but well, the first two have long-term and very serious, People. I mean, demographic um, um, catastrophe, famine, and uh, and these are associated with it. But there are also stages in conquest. And I mean, what you're looking at is the virtually complete displacement of native population, the elite of one native population, by another.
0: one of the things that you've written is that uh, you're an old-fashioned military historian. You think that it's important to study the actual military aspects I'm talking about, the battles and the fighting, uh, whereas there has been a generation of historians who've talked about war is only important in the context of society. So why do you think that this so-called old-fashioned military history is important?
1: Um, it's important.
0: In the 17th century, in general, and in Ireland in particular, you have this concept of a, a military revolution, which is a massive escalation of the scale of warfare. Um, what do you make of that theory as, as it applies to Ireland?
1: By and large, I don't think you can talk about a revolution, but you're talking in, let's say, the 1500s and 1600s of huge increases in the size of armies. By the 1690s, Louis XIV has 400,000 men in various ships and forces as I Change is the change to the greater use of firearms. You've got an, an interim phase of Pike, uh, mainly Pike-based battle squares with a minority of musketeers on by 1700. The line of battle with uh, flintlock muskets, men armoured, bayonets, and you have battle formations which used to the full the potential of firepower. But it takes 200 years. You have new kinds of siege artillery, you have new kinds of low-rampart-type fortifications that are very strong, very hard to take. There's a counter-response to that under people like Vauban, to to new new organisational and technical ways of taking places like that. Those changes also happen. Um, So you're looking at a complex of changes. The last one I'd say is the role of the state. Instead of having, as you have during the interim period, Mercenary armies with contractors, military contractors, agreeing with a king or a monarch to raise armies. You, the state gets into the business of raising its own armies, even imposing some form of discipline on them, a more hierarchical officer uh, structure, uh, cadence marching, better discipline, uniforms, stuff like that. And that's pretty much in place by 1700. How does it happen in Ireland? All three wars, I suppose. Nine years old. Scots would have had a most at a bomb or a a cannonball every minute day and night for 10 days that's a scale of material expenditure that just hadn't been seen so when we're looking at the military revolution it really hits Ireland um, by the third of those three wars I mean there are aspects of it to be seen earlier but bang it really uh, the escalation happens um, and is quite visible in 1689,
0: 90 and 91 Mm Mm-hmm and I'm thinking about what is the impact of this on the ordinary soldier on the 17th century battlefield in Ireland. One of the things that you've written, Pork, is uh, that the 17th century battle is a moral contest rather than a physical one. Can you explain that?
1: Yes, what happens is, in any, in any battle really, on both sides, the kill, the actual fighting...
0: So the first side to break and run is, is the side that gets killed in blunt in okay. terms? It, it suffers disproportionate losses. I mean, you may take, for example, at the Battle
1: of Ockham, which is a long-fought Battle of 1691, and the Irish were holding out, they're probably marginally outnumbered, but they're holding out most of them,